Cold Storage is a podcast where each episode we pick a different story from the long history of comics and dissect and review it for your listening euphoria. Join us as we stumble our way through some of the most important storylines mixed with some of our favorites. Enjoy. Welcome back to the show. Hey guys, uh, thanks for uh, subscribing and thanks for listening. And we are here to bring you another new episode of Cold Storage, the podcast. Mm-hmm. What are we uh, going to review today? We're going to look at a little bit of uh, the Spectre. Yeah, the Spectre by DC Comics. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, before we get to that, let's just talk about some business. Okay. Kelly, what you yes. been up to this week? Um, <clears throat> reading for the show and reading. Um, what did what else did I look at this week? Uh, hmm. I can't think of anything off the top of my head. Did you watch Doom Patrol? I've been pretty busy. Um, started it. Haven't got very far. So you didn't even finish the first episode? Mm-hmm. Haven't finished. Mm-hmm. Nope. Haven't done that. Well, I did. I watched the first and the second episodes. Yeah. And uh, I like it so far, except for the one person I don't like is Cyborg, dude. Yeah. You know what's ridiculous? And, you know, I've heard this point made, but I'm going to make this point myself. Why are they putting a Teen Titan on the Doom Patrol that never belonged on the Doom Patrol? Okay. Well, let's be clear that, that Kelly's not racist. Okay, he's not mad because Cyborg's black. Or are you? Maybe you are. No, I'm not. No, I mean I don't want to presume. No, I'm I'm frustrated because (laughs) if you have a if you have a a a Beast Boy on another DC show, could you not just put him in the Doom Patrol and put Cyborg? The whole Doom Patrol on the Titans team. Other is on the Titans. They have a whole Doom Patrol episode. So that's then they should have picked up Beast Boy at that point and then continued on to Doom Patrol. But instead, they have to throw. Well, here's the here's the thing on. that you didn't say is that Beast Boy is from the Doom Patrol, correct? Originally from the comics. Yes, right. right. So, like, I understand if you're needing to get uh, another person on there, um, and you want to tie it into the Teen Titans. Yeah, they should have just done Beast Boy, dude. I don't understand. But uh, my biggest beef is that, dude, Cyborg is everywhere. He's like. Let's throw Cyborg on the Justice League. He's on the Titans. He's on the Doom Patrol. Yeah, he's just like your plug and plug and play player, like char- plug and play character. And the thing is, um, honestly, like his dynamic, I, I I don't see the appeal for Cyborg. I, I I would, if anything, I would see more appeal for Beast Boy. And you could put Beast Boy in Justice League. Right, Beast Boy and Teen Titans. Oh, really? And on the Doom no, Patrol. No, keep Beast Boy out of the Justice League, dude. <laughs> okay, well, at least Teen Beast Titans Boy should and be in the Patrol. Justice League. I liked where you were going for a second, but no, I can't follow you down that path. But no. I don't think I don't think Cyborg. I don't think they should focus on this on Cyborg. So, I think they're just trying to make him more important than he really is. So my thinking is that you know when a lot of these comics were made, they were made by white dudes in kind of a racist society, where 
oh, there was only white people in the comics, right? So right. Doom Patrol was just white people, right? Mm-hmm. And, and one green person. Uh, and Beast Boy actually was only in the Doom Patrol for like three issues or and four And he went issues. by Changeling. Yeah. No, he did not. No, what? He did not. He went by Beast Boy. And, and then, then when he went to the New Teen Titans, then he went by Changeling. Ah. Yeah. Dude, that's some good school. So, um, so yeah, I understand that like maybe you want to add um, other races in, in a superhero team. And I totally understand that and respect that. But I'm just saying the Justice League already had John Jones, um, the Green Lantern, like from like the cartoon series. Uh, John Stewart. Well, yeah. Oh, yeah. John Jones. He could have been a black guy too. Yeah, he Who could knows? have. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. But uh, yeah, I just don't understand why um, that they chose Cyborg. Like you could choose. Like there are black characters. Obviously, not enough. Um, you know, it's not representative of society back then. But dude, John Stewart was awesome, man. And they should have brought him in. Yeah, and, I agree. Yeah, I. Yeah, just no more cyborg, dude. Yeah, I, and that's the other thing is like I I would rather see a Green Lantern, ten times over, cyborg. Honestly. Yeah. yeah. I I mean John uh, John Stewart, I think. I think because he's a, like he's an architect. Was he an architect? And he's in. Uh, he was a marine. And so you know, just seeing the things that like they could come up with that he could use um, to fight villainous villains. Yeah, the only thing I can think of is that they wanted to stay away from Green Lantern after the Ryan Reynolds yeah. movie. So like, because that bombed so hard, they probably didn't want to, to curse the Justice League by putting that in. But the thing is, is Ryan Reynolds, who also played Deadpool, even the crappy version of Deadpool, that didn't stop. The new version of Deadpool from being insanely huge, right? Right, exactly. So they could have yeah. still used Green Lantern. Yeah, they could have utilized and like turned it all around and said, "Hey, look, look how cool Green Lantern could be." Yeah, you know, if they would have thrown him in. Because it's weird to have a Justice side. League with no Green Lantern and that has Cyborg in it. I, I yeah, so yeah. dumb, dude. Yeah. Oh man, bad, bad, bad casting. So I, I used to love the new Teen Titans growing up. I read it all the time, and I loved Cyborg in there. And so I, I don't have necessarily a Cyborg hate. I just have the fact that they're throwing him in every team as, just basically the to give the team variety. And I just don't think it, they should be doing that, man. I no, bring other characters in and, and create create new characters. I wouldn't have been totally opposed to them creating a new character for the Doom Patrol that's not in the, right. the cartoon. If it's the dynamic that they want, yeah, right, exactly. Yeah. So, oh well. Yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, dude. This week, um, I got a couple of old comics. I've been getting all the old ones. You guys know if you've been listening. Um, but. Uh, I've been going back and getting all my old Batmans from the 90s when I was growing up. And awesome. Yeah, dude. The good thing about 90s comics is they aren't worth crap, so you nope. can buy them back cheap, dude. So yeah. it's like a buck <laughs> a piece, dude, to buy most of those. Um, but then a buddy of ours was getting rid of his comics, so I sold, so I bought a bunch of his Batmans for pretty cheap, but then there were some that uh, I bought for a lot of money because he had all the original um, year one issues, oh, which I got. Oh, dude, yeah. And he had two of the original Death in the Family uh, issues drawn by Jim Aparo, by the way. Um, Who we're going to be yeah, in this Spectre episode. Yeah, so. Uh, and then tonight I bought back some of uh, my Image United uh, issues that I used to have, but I don't anymore. And those ones aren't that old, but uh, I still feel nostalgic. Yeah, I was going to so. say, it still gives you the 90s feel, right? It, I love feeling it, man. Yeah. Okay, as we mentioned in the uh, intro, uh, we're going to review 
this time, um, The Wrath of the Spectre, issues one through four. This was a series that was released in 88, uh, 1988, and it was basically mostly reprints from the Adventure Comics uh, series from the 1970s, um, written by Michael Fleischer and drawn by Jim Aparo. And there's this weird, there's this weird credit called art continuity or story continuity, depending on which issue you read, mm-hmm. by a guy named Russell Carley. Mm-hmm. Um, and the weird thing about that is this guy, uh, this guy Russell Carley. So at the very first issue it says art continuity, but then as it progresses, it'll say story con- continuity is what his uh, thing uh. is. But the, there's never been a comic that's had somebody do this as part of like you know a, the credits basically. And uh, I guess he was a friend of Michael Fleischer who would huh. come up with ideas uh, for him to do the story. So basically, he was Michael Fleischer's Cali. They would just be like, dude, this is cool. Do this. Let's do that. Yeah. And, and then he gets the credit. And so not not quite co-wrote, but yeah, it helped guess, him out. Yeah. Hmm. Um, and then, but yeah, it was like still, it was extremely vague. In fact, I read some of the letters from the Adventure Comics issues and like they were even asking in there, like fans would write in and say, what does this guy do exactly? <laughs> it's like, does he do layouts or help with the story? And basically the response was, yep. <laughs> so still like really big. Vague. Yeah. Um, so, uh, but yeah, the Jim Aparo, um, dude, his art is oh, freaking it's incredible. awesome. Yeah. One thing to note too is the editor is Joe Orlando. Right. Um, those of you that know um, older comic book um, references. He also was part of EC Comics in uh, 1951, I believe. Um, so he was a big part of the controversial um, EC company. Um, and then he came to DC. And surprisingly enough, he's an editor on this. Well, before that, he also worked for Warren Publishing, who did the Creepy comics. And he was an editor uh, yes. of Creepy. Which works perfect because this is definitely in that vein of EC. Um, so Spectre wasn't always like this, though, right? No, he was um, he was more heroic, and from what I remember, he was you know like a. I always thought he was like a regular guy in like a cowl and and cape, with like a white spandex and green gloves, uh, and in the Justice Society, and then um, they revamped him uh, for. The Silver Age, because the Golden Age version was the Justice Society version, where he was, you know, more of like a regular dude running around punching people, and then when Silver Age came, they turned him into this actual um, spirit of of vengeance. But the thing is, is he was he was still more of a hero until what the seventies, right? Uh, yep. So until basically until uh, this, well, so when he first started out, he wasn't necessarily a hero, although he was a regular guy. Like you said, he mm-hmm. made his costume and stuff. Yeah. Uh, but, and he's Jim Corrigan, right? That's his name? Yeah, Jim Corrigan. Uh, yeah. And he was a detective mm-hmm. who got killed, who got uh, thrown into the ocean with uh, cement shoes, basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The bath. And, uh, yeah. He took a bath. <laughs> and, uh, and so he came back. Uh, basically, God gave him a chance to come back, but he has to be the God's like, punisher basically like he has to be the a spirit of vengeance is what he is and right. he's supposed to come and and rid the whole world 
of evil, basically, is what he's supposed to do. Right. So, And he can't rest until it's happened. Right. And it's interesting, like, uh, yeah, there's been other stories like this. Like, uh, it's int- this was kind of the story of how Spawn was made, actually, but it's, the, it's different. It's the devil that brought him back mm-hmm. um, after he died at, at two, and he had to accomplish this goal so that he could get his wife back, you know, so. And uh, I would say, isn't Ghost Rider similar as well? Yeah, I think so. He's a, yeah. he's a spirit of vengeance, but he rides a motorcycle. Yeah. See, the Spectre doesn't need a motorcycle. <laughs> no, <laughs> he doesn't. He just needs a silly green hood, dude. That's right. Cape. He's got one of the most simple costumes possible to drive. Oh, yeah. And like, Completely. I mean, the hood is it makes it kind of cool, but his actual costume there's no symbol on there. It's just him with his green underwear on the outside and his gloves and, and his, his boots. boots. Yep. Yeah. I the one thing I do like about his uh, cape and cowl is that it's got a, like a collar to it. Yeah. It's almost like a collar you could put a tie under. Yeah. You know? oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah. No, he's. I mean, he's dressed for the, the any occasion basically. Yeah. Right. right yeah. Exactly. Yeah. He, casual. Yeah. You know. He's formal, basically dressed biz, business casual. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> with with his underwear on the outside, mm-hmm. so um, yeah. So uh, basically, he'd been whitewashed, right? Like he he wasn't that interesting anymore. Um, not at all like he was during when he was first created, right? Right. And it was the comics code that did a lot of that, right? Because you know he he was originally created before the comics code, so they could do you know basically whatever they wanted. And then when the comics code came. He just had to be, you know, Lame. just, yeah, your clean cut superhero after that. Well, the interesting thing with this is that these adventure comics were comics code, uh, approved books. Yeah. Yeah. The, the re-releases, these night, the wrath of the specters are not actually, they don't have the comics code. Oh yeah, they don't. I yeah. didn't notice that. Yeah. Oh yeah. Which is interesting. Right. Mm-hmm. So, but the original ones did. And what's crazy about that is dude, they, they do weird, crazy stuff oh, in here, man. Yes. Like this isn't. I mean, this is a. Uh, like I said, it's it's approved by the Comics Code Authority, but dude, they. I don't know how they got away with some of the stuff that they get away with, man. Like just like flesh melting off of people and yeah, stuff. Yeah. So the, you know, I, and I know we're not going to break these down, but it, it, what I like about this is it starts almost like a crime comic, um, or it is a crime comic, and then it it turns from crime to horror Mm -hmm. and the end is always one of those like oh henry things right like well i mean you kind of know that they're getting their their just desserts right um and usually it's in a similar fashion to the way that they committed the crime it's not always that way but very similar right um and so like for instance um you know in 431 um he makes a car fly off a cliff and just like blow up when it crashes and then, yeah, melts a guy's gun. And then, like, all of a sudden his hands start melting. And then you turn the page and he's, like, screaming. And all of a sudden he's just this pile of melted flesh, like, in this chair. And dude, it, and that was, yeah, dude, that yeah. made it through the comics code. Dude. Which is insane. <laughs> yeah. Because you see the guy's hands melting. And then all of a sudden he's, like, this melted Just this pile, pile of, skin. of, like, Ugh. liquid flesh on his chair. Yeah. <laughs> and, I mean, that's... That's what defines the Spectre is his creative ways of killing people, right? right. So, like, um, the the Punisher killed people, right? But um, he didn't get the same joy out of it that it seems like the Spectre does. Or he wasn't as creative about it as the Spectre is, right? The right. Punisher will just shoot you, whereas the Spectre will 
turn you into a piece of wood and then chop you into slices, dude, like with right. a, with a buzz saw. Or yeah, or or uh, peck you to deck death with a duck. Yeah, like, like he... make a duck grow like, huge. Yeah. And, yeah. So um, about the comics code authority. Um, so <clears throat> on these reprints, the Wrath of the Spectre, they have like extra information about the uh, you know just the story of the Spectre and why this series from the seventies was important. And uh, there's this part on the Comics Code, and I'll just read it real quick. It says, But the Spectre was definitely Joe Orlando's joke against the Comics Code. And he said, I was having fun with the code. Uh, The fact is, I would read the code, and I would figure out all the things I couldn't do and figure out a way how I could do them and give the code a lot of problems. (laughs) (laughs) So he's like, for instance, if I turned a man into a candle and set it on fire and the candle screamed... That was not really a burning man. It was a candle. Yeah. Yeah. So the code couldn't object to lighting a candle. And so, yeah, it would give him a lot of problems. And he says, but nonetheless, the code would still have to pass it. So in effect, we were constantly testing the code. And he goes, that was the, yeah, he's like, that was the fun of the project. So he was basically trying to mess with them, which I think is awesome. It it (laughs) is awesome. I mean, because that's the thing is like, think about all like the hilarious ways. I mean, it's like very dark comedy, you know? Yeah. They like find the most funny ways to kill people. Yeah. And, and I'm wondering if they came up with ways to kill people and then create a story around that. Yeah. It does. It does kind of seem like it. And so, um, this Michael, Michael Fleischer. So Joe Orlando, the editor definitely was involved with this. But it was uh, Michael Fleischer's story. And I don't know that I've ever read anything else of his. Have you? I have not, no. But I, no. I like it, dude. Um, if anything, I don't like the editing in some of these books. Because, like, so, like, if you look at, like, the issues, mm-hmm. like, every other panel will say, meanwhile, oh, presently, yeah. and moments, now. Moments later. Yeah. And it'll be, like, yeah. Soon. It'll say, the weird thing is, it'll be, like, and now. It, yeah. But. It's not like any time has passed. Like that one panel is literally like two seconds before the next panel where it says in now. It's like, dude, you didn't need that. And that's not the writer. That's all editor that's doing that stuff. Because issue number four of this Wrath of the Spectre is all stories that Michael Fleischer wrote, but they were never drawn, right? They were never published up until until the Wrath of the Spectre. So they got Jim Amparo back and they asked if he wanted to draw him. He said yes. Well, there's a different editor on those, and it doesn't have any, any of that, that stuff. Yeah. yeah. So I think that that was all it's, editing because, right. like, the editor is basically supposed to make sure that your story has a flow. Makes to sense, it, right? or whatever. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so, yeah, so that 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 got to me a little bit. But Michael Fleischer's writing, and this is just so like original, dude. And for his time in 1970, DC was doing. DC was boring, dude. They were losing people all the time to Marvel because, yeah. dude, Mar- they were trying to copy what Stanley was doing and they couldn't do it, and it just uh, soured people on DC. And then this guy comes and he's doing like, this is a hero, a DC hero, even which is supposed to just—they seem a little bit more like flawless, <laughs> yeah. right? Like, right. Yeah. And and he's straight up just murdering people, right? In fun, <laughs> in like fun ways. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Um, I actually, you know, um, it's a little bit off this book, but it still has to do with the specter. Um, but there was an opening to, uh, I remember Batman was in the, in the cartoon and, um, there's this villain that, um, is in this warehouse and the specter comes in and the guy's like, you can't do anything to me. And he's like, yes, I can. He turns him into cheese and rats from all over the warehouse <laughs> eat this guy alive. Yeah. And he's he like human cheese. It was like the greatest thing. Well, and it's funny because that's how a lot of these happen is like 
he doesn't necessarily go kill them. In this first issue, he did, does just kill the guy without changing him into something. Yeah. But in almost all the other ones, they change them into something before he kills them, right? So, like, he'll change somebody into a mannequin, or he'll change somebody into ice, or, like, glass. I yeah, mean, glass, yeah. Yeah, and so, like... Or sand. Yeah, or like sand. Like, this guy, like, pours out of his own clothes. And I wonder if that was just uh, them trying to dance around the code, you know? Yeah. But, like, then it became, like, a trope, so even... It carried on into the cartoons and stuff. And there's actually... Did you ever watch that DC Spectre cartoon? Yes, it is I, I actually watched it just in preparation for this. Oh, okay. Again, yeah. yeah. And it, yeah. it is good, dude. I haven't seen it. It's small. It's only like 15 minutes Yeah, long it's like a something. 15 minute short. And um, it's actually... So that story um, is very similar to this story in um, Adventure Comics number 432. Um, because these um, people go in... And basically kill this movie producer, and the people involved in the murder um, get killed in different ways with whatever job they have um, in Hollywood, right? So yeah. this hairdresser, I can't remember his name, he gets uh, uh, severed in half with a giant pair of scissors. Mm-hmm. Um, and according to mm-hmm. um, the the liner notes on these books, um, that was one of the things that that story art continuity guy came up with that oh, really? was his yeah. idea was to use the scissors oh, yeah. okay. awesome. that's what cool. michael fleischer said in one of his interviews okay but uh yeah so that this one is actually one of my favorite stories i have a couple that i liked more than others mm-hmm, um, but this one i uh, was one of my favorites number one because i just loved this group of bad guys because it was just like they were led by a girl um, and then there's two guys that were with them and she the girl's like a model right and then the other two guys own the salon. Right. And, mm-hmm. But you want to know what's weird is I think they come back, dude. Like in maybe the, the third Wrath of the Spectre. Because there was another one where there's two girls. Or where there's one girl and uh-huh. then two guys. I'm trying to figure out which issue that is. Oh, I think it's right here. Um, oh, no. It's, uh, we'll, have to, we'll have to get to it. But um, it looks like they make it back, which is weird. Because, oh, yeah. So it's, yeah, it's this one here. So, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The snake uh, team. They 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 are different people. Um, but they're like the exact same. It's a it's a a chick with bl- short blonde hair, mm-hmm. and then a black dude, and then a white dude. Like yeah. just exactly like um, in this the other, other issue, which is interesting. Um, let's see. So uh, yeah, so basically, um, what it is is he finds some bad guys. Uh, he's a detective, right? So he goes right. out, finds some bad guys, and then. He needs. He just kills him. He turns into Spectre and kills him. That's that's how every story is set up. Yeah. So it's what's cool is like um, like I was saying. You know, like there's a there's a crime that happens, and then Jim Corrigan gets a lead on something, and so when he goes to find out what's going on, um, in some of the stories he has to do a little bit more research, but it's essentially all the same exact um, uh, formula, and then. Um, so for instance, the one that Spencer was talking about where, um, these people are back, um, they have this, they're like part of this like snake club or something. They have this like, um, what flag with these snakes on it. And he makes a snake come out of the flag and wraps these people up and like kills them all. Um, one of my favorite ones is actually, um, before we get to that other one, sorry, I gotta, uh, say something about Mm -hmm. this issue. Um, the 432 one. Okay. Uh, so this is where we're introduced to um, Gwen Sterling. 
is oh, in this yeah. issue. And she is, they got the funniest relationship, dude. Because, I know. So, like, they just met each other because her dad is the one who gets killed in a swimming pool, okay, mm-hmm. uh, by these people. She's, like, freaking out, right? And then, like, one, two, three, four, five panels later, she's over her dad, and she's trying to get with this detective, dude. So, uh, yeah. So, she's she's at once Jim Corrigan's uh, <laughs> dong, and... Uh, and dude, she's begging for it. She every issue, she's just begging for it. Well, and somehow she always ends up getting kidnapped or being yeah, the one well, that's, that's like, like that was a sign of the times in comics too. Like right, that's what how they every hero had they a girl. baited the hero with the girl. Yeah, exactly. But the thing is, is like I'm like, lady, can't you just like stay out of trouble instead of like <laughs> I mean, instead of but I it's like almost like she sets herself up to be in trouble so she'll always see Jim. Yeah, and she does know his secret. Um, I don't remember when he reveals it to her, but she is aware of him. Yeah, she yeah she she knows. Well, at first he's just like uh, he says, "I'm not really free to get involved with a woman." Um, now take it easy. I'll be in touch if anything breaks or whatever. So uh, oh, and then so this is the sixth panel after she finds out her dad dies. She's like, mm-hmm. Lieutenant Corrigan, um, Jim, do you have a wife or a girlfriend? <laughs> and this is six panels after her dad just <laughs> got blown up, dude. So um. And, and he's always just like, like shooting her down, right? And he's like, he's he's kind of an asshole to her. He's just always just like, I don't have time for you. Just get out of here. And uh, go away. Yeah, yeah. And, but she just keeps coming back for it, dude. Uh, but I actually do really like her character. Um, just there's two characters I love in this uh, story besides Jim Corrigan. It's mm-hmm. it's him and or her. I mean, and the Earl. What's the other guy? Earl Kerrigan? Uh, no, Earl. What's the guy's name? Earl Crawford. Uh, yeah, Crawford. Yeah. yeah. And I really like that character. I love that character when he's introduced, and, and we can get to that. But um, Yeah, that's actually what I was going to bring up okay. about my favorite thing. So I, I don't – do you um, do you want to go in order, or can we skip to no, the issue four? Skip is around. that cool? We were just on that issue, so I okay. wanted good. to talk about it. So the thing about the Wrath of Spectre issue four that Spencer brought up earlier is that they're brand-new stories – that, well, they're, well old they, they're old stories, but they were never published. Yeah. Um, so it's brand new art. Yes. When these were released, they were it was still Jim Aparo, but, um, but it was new. Uh, and you can see that he like changed. It changes art style, but he he progresses as an artist. He, I, I think you're right, but I think the biggest part of it is uh, Mike DiCarlo is inking him in these oh. ones. And uh, Mike DiCarlo and Jim Aparo, they actually worked together on that Batman Death in the Family. So so DiCarlo was the inker in Death in the Family. So Gotcha. And I love that art. And what I love about um, them together is mm-hmm. um, uh, DiCarlo's inks are way less sketchy, way less heavy-handed than um, some of the other inkers he's had. Uh-huh. And, and even less than when he inks himself. So there's like... It's cleaner lines. Um, the line work on this is all done with brush. Where um, I believe when he was inking himself, or when other people were inking him, he Apar would use a uh, a nib type pen, like what you dip in ink or whatever. And I think that that's what he drew with. But uh, DiCarlo inks with a brush. You can just tell by looking at it, and it's just got really smooth, more smooth lines. Yeah, and it's cleaner. It's beautiful. And, yeah, I love it so much. Yeah, I really like the art in this issue for. So. Um... As Spencer brought up Crawford, so this issue four, the very, uh, I don't think that it's still split. I can't remember. Uh, it's kind of split into like, 
I know it says three different stories, but it's all kind of the same plot line. They're connected, but they are different stories. Right. Um, but I couldn't help but think of Crawford as Clark Kent, and um, as the the guy that's the arsonist as Matches Malone. Um, so, uh, yeah, I didn't think about that, but you're right. He does kind of seem like that, but, um, so this guy Crawford, I mean, it is Clark Kent. I mean, I don't know what else. Did you read this Kelly? Yes, I did. Did you read issue two? Yeah, I read them all. Yeah. Because they make a whole bunch of jokes about him being Clark Kent. Yeah. And it's so, and like like Jimmy Olsen shows up. No, but what I'm saying (laughs) is Jim Corrigan calls him Clark Kent. When? In issue two, dude. Kelly, I swear, you need to start reading these things, I did man. read it. I did read it. <laughs> yeah, so he's introduced in issue two of Wrath of the Spectre, which I, I can't remember which Adventure Comics one that is. This one right here. Um, yep, and he's, the I believe, the second story in that. And so uh, what's cool about this Crawford character is he's a journalist, right? And every all this strange crap is going on. Like, you know that police are getting to the scene, and they're seeing a melted candle... Mm-hmm. that you know looks somewhat human or they're seeing like wood that w- was in the shape of a human cut in half and and nobody even guesses it um nobody even thinks that it's weird except for this Crawford guy and that's what's really cool about him is he's the only one questioning that this is nuts but what i love about this character is he's not a bad guy but at the same time he's trying to s- catch the specter um Right. He's got good intentions for it because, um, you know, obviously the Spectre is straight up killing people instead of letting people do go through their due process or whatever. So so he's hot on his tail for, you know, uh, this. He comes back in a couple of times in the storyline. But I love that he, um, I just love that type of character that's not, he's not a bad guy. But at the same time, he is going to be an impediment for the the, the protagonist of the story. And... They relate him in the in one of the liner notes of the of the issue to um, J. Jonah Jameson because he's the same thing. He's not a bad guy, but at the same time, he hates Spider Man and wants to stop him. Right. Right. Um, I I think this guy's more. He seems more uh, genuine more, uh, and more of a good guy than J. Jonah Jameson. So I don't love that um, comparison, but uh, yeah, I do indeed like that. Uh, that he's just like against the spirit or the specter but he's not a bad guy right and he he's also trying to prove the specter's existence too right so like people will understand that like you know that um that mythical things can happen um for instance like like i said that issue four when he uh you know like that lady's trying to get out of the building and then he's, there's that light, and everybody's like, "How you know? How is this yellow light there?" And he's like, "Oh, it's because of the specter." And they're like, "You're yeah. crazy, dude." So as you were flipping through again, you saw where they called him Clark, Clark Kent. Kent. Yeah. Yes, yes. So and it's really funny because, uh, um, because. Uh, He's about to introduce himself to Jim Corrigan. He's like, uh, hello, Lieutenant Corrigan. I'm, and then he stops him. And he says, I know exactly like, who you are. You're Clark Kent, mild mannered reporter. <laughs> and he's not. Like, and that's what, at first, I'm just like, wait, is he? And then I actually had to go back a couple of pages. And I'm like, oh, no, it says his name over here. He's just joking um, because his his look is exactly Clark Kent's look. Like, 
they didn't change it at all. It's 100% Clark Kent. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, but it's really, I love that, dude. I don't know if that was written in the script. I, I think it was, actually, because Jim Aparo, in some of the liner notes of the issues, was saying that he would get full scripts. Him and, uh, he said that him and uh, the writer, Michael Fleischer, they mm-hmm. only talked one time. Like, they never met each other. Really? They only talked one time on the phone. Uh-huh. And other than that, it was just... That Michael Fleischer would send his scripts to Joe Orlando, then Joe Orlando would send it to Jim Aparo, and then he would draw it. So uh, I thought that was interesting. That but, is, yeah. So he must have wrote this in, that the guy needed to be Clark Kent. And it's just funny to me that, that, that he would write that in, you know what I mean? Yeah, Because, yeah. like, <laughs> why do that other than just for a little bit of humor? And just the way he said it was so funny. Because, like, he says it right at the first, you're Clark Kent, mild-mannered reporter. And then on the next page... He says, he's yeah. talking to this police officer, and he says, look, Sergeant, you got to keep Clark Kent out of here. Yeah, and then he says, well, listen here, Clark. Yeah. Well, yeah. And then the policeman says, Clark Kent, gee, are you really Superman? Dude, so right there, that that can't be continuity, man. No, like, there's no way. Yeah, because no one would know, right? right? Like, yeah, I don't think, it's not like the Fantastic Four where everybody knew who he was. Unless they went through some weird storyline where people did know for like, you know, a few months. Right. But uh, I I really do feel like just because of the type of hero this the Spectre is, that he is kind of outside of the DC, the regular DCU, um, at least during this time. Mm-hmm. And and so, like, maybe in this world, Clark Kent and Superman are, like, just fictional characters, right? And, and, right. And that's kind of what it feels like to me, because why would that cop say, hey, are you really Superman? Almost like an Elseworlds type. Yeah. But, yeah, that w- which makes sense. But... But yeah, it's really funny because they just totally stole like the Clark Kent look for this. Well, and the thing is too, like that comedy is like in the midst of like he makes this miniature Viking dude get big and like chop this dude's head. So like yeah, it was he, like a model Viking yeah. guy, right? Like a little miniature figurine version. thing. Yeah, yeah. And then he then the the guy actually turns small. Yeah. Then yeah. This, so then the Viking puts an axe in the dude's head. And then the dude, then the dude turns to a little figure, yeah. dude, which is it's like so awesome. freaking cool, right? Yeah, it's I so love good. that. It's it's so like original and nothing like what anything that was going on uh, in comics during this time. So, yeah, I really uh, appreciated this story for that reason. Um, yeah. Anyway, I'm done. Did you? Have no, something yeah, else? I no, I just really like that issue, or I like issue four a lot with the uh, the matches Malone and the. And the Clark Kent, Jimmy Olsen shows up, but yeah. he calls him um, Eddie or something. I can't remember now all of a sudden. Yeah, so the interesting thing is, yeah, the guy's kind of like Jimmy Olsen, except for Jimmy Olsen was a photographer. Right. But in that issue, it's the Clark Kent type character that's, that's actually the taking the pictures. Yeah. Right. But yeah, this guy is basically, this other Jimmy Olsen type is just this guy who basically mm-hmm. uh, is just a gopher boy around the office is what it seems like. Right. So, uh, but I, one of my things I like about this is Jim, Jim Corrigan's, um, attitude when he's Jim Corrigan, he's just like he's pissed that he has to still be a ghost basically all the yeah. time. Yeah, and that's I think that comes through like in his de- as his detective persona. Yeah, that like he's just pissed that he can't get eternal rest. Right, and the whole time, you know, he's he's like so frustrated. I mean, like even in uh, what is it, issue three? The second death of the specter, you know, even God lets him become human again. Actually, yeah, let's get to that episode okay. or that issue. All right. So that that actually is my favorite. It is your favorite issue. One story. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, or I guess issue. I'm trying to figure well. out which one that is. Um, um, it's Adventure Comics. It's the third wrath of the specter. Yes, third wrath of the specter, and it's going to be 
Adventure okay, Comics yeah, number no, I see it 438 yeah, I see or something. It so, yeah, so um, what's her name is back? Uh, Gwen Sterling, which mm-hmm. that sounds a little bit too close to Gwen Stacy, if you ask me, dude. So Gwen Sterling, Gwen Stacy, uh-huh. that's, that can't be a coincidence, right? Um, so... Yeah, so she's always coming back and just saying how much you know she wants to be with this guy, which I don't know why because he's a asshole. He's a total to jerk to her, dude, like all the time. Yeah, so yeah. I'm trying to find like one of the things, one of the things he says to her, um, where it's just like so messed up. Right here, so here's a part where like, so he comes back, so he comes back to life, and he he goes after this uh, like hostage situation, gets shot, and falls off this. Like fire so how escape. does he come back to life? So he asks because he's he begs God to let him come back to life, and so finally he's like, "Okay, well you can come back to life." But she right? just asked, right? Like he yeah. just basically he's, asked he's, once. Like, had he never thought of that before? I don't know. Because like, and then, yeah, and it's not so you don't ever actually see God. You just see like this a like vo- symbol yellow, with a yeah, like a voice. Light, yeah. yeah. So he comes back and uh, yeah, he gets shot off this um, fire escape. And so he's in the hospital for a little while and he's like getting, he like, he's like, no, I'm not a ghost now. Like I'm actually hurt. So his arm is in this bandage. He goes to visit. Um, so let's go real ahead. quick, dude. So I think I'm you're skipping over some this. really yeah. like okay, important things yeah. here. Okay. And then, and then I'll let you get back okay, to it. So, right. um, so basically she is, uh, by this point she knows that he's a ghost, right? And, right. and, and she just is, they have this really sad scene where she's just like, Jim, I don't care if you're a ghost. I love you. I want you to marry me. Mm-hmm. And then uh, he says, oh, yeah, that's a great idea. Nothing I'd rather hear than the pitter-patter of little zombies running around the house. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then she's just crying now. She's like, Jim, please. And she, he's just like, look, I'm sorry, but, you, but can't you see what you're asking? I'm asking to be loved just like anyone. Gwen, I am a dead man, a ghost. <laughs> I don't even breathe for peace's sake. And then she's like, is that? And then he goes, is that really what you want? And and then she says, is there any chance you're going to be alive again? And he's like, uh, basically just really sarcastic. And uh, he just says, this isn't going to work. Or he goes, you know, the boys upstairs have promised to review my case just as soon as I eradicate all the evil from the face of the earth. And uh, and then basically she's like, like, that's not going to happen. Yeah. Something so like she's that, like, yeah. so this is it then. Because uh, she realizes that he's just never going to go through with it. And he goes, yeah, I think this is it. Um, we're just hurting each other too much. Which I don't think she's hurting him at all. Like, that was pretty messed up that he said that. Yeah. Because he's just hurting her. And then she's just like, I'll never forget you, Sob. And then and then that's when he's like, oh, I have the idea that I should go ask try to, yeah, come back alive. What I really like about this, and one of the parts that I think you're skipping over, is that he didn't know. He just woke up the next day not oh, yeah, knowing that's true. that he was yeah, back yeah. alive. Right. So he thought he was still a ghost, right? So Yeah, because he, he thought when he went to go confront that guy that he wouldn't be able to get shot. Right, and then all of a sudden he does and then get he gets shot. shot, and that's when he finds out that yeah. he that he's no longer he's, a ghost. So, right. um, what I love how that's written because I think uh, the easy way to go would be like him waking up the next day and say, "Oh my gosh, I feel so much different." Oh wow, but he didn't feel any different, and he went back out, and he's reckless because he's used to being a ghost, so he's used to getting shot at and it not hurting him or anything. So, so he's clearly going to be off his guard and i think it was so well written that they wrote it that way that he's not expecting to die and you know he just stands in the path of a gun and he gets shot, he gets shot right yeah and then he gets in the hospital so. which is interesting that he doesn't feel something different you know mm-hmm. because you'd think that he would expect to feel different right so um so anyway he's in the hospital he gets up and then it says a few days later so then he goes and visits her 
at the pool. Um, and she's like, what, how did you get here? Like what happened to your arm? And cause she knows that he's a ghost and he's like, um, wounded in the line of duty happens to us cops all the time. What's the matter? Don't you ever watch TV? And she's like, but I thought you couldn't be hurt. And then all of a sudden he interrupts her and says, you sure talk a lot. How'd you like mm-hmm. to get married next to like, so he interrupts her like, yeah. shut up. Like you talk too much, you know? Right. So yeah, that, I think, um, that's him just being like trying to be a badass, right? So, uh, that's how I read that is him. He's just a guy who is just a hard boiled detective. Who's not going to show his feelings, you know, and right. stuff, but you could tell he's, I mean, once he realized that he was mortal, he immediately went to her. So you can tell he has some feelings for her, right? Um, but he plays it off just like he's, you know, just, he's playing it cool, basically. Yep. And, uh, yeah, so I love that. I, I love that, like, you know, they can finally be together now. Um, and it's really cute. They give a big kiss at the end. Uh, but now the, the these mobster guys want to put a, a hit on him. him. Yeah. And so, yep. And now he can't die. So uh, the stakes are higher. And, uh, yeah, so then he, uh, once they put the hit out on him, uh, it's the ducky, what do they call it, the ducky, uh, clan or something like that? It's because this guy, his nickname is Duck. Yeah. So anyway, um, so this, this guy that sells peanuts outside of, uh, outside of the police station, uh, tricks Jim and Jim Corrigan. And now that he's a human, out to go meet these guys because they, they're going to turn themselves in. So he goes out to meet them, and it's all dark, and, and he's like, where are they at? And there's one one guy comes out and says, hey, we're right here, you know, like, don't mess with us. And then all of a sudden, they shine bright lights on both of them, and Jim Corrigan puts them, like, in a you know one of those body shield holds. And they're like, who cares? Like, just take, it, take them both out. And so, like, mows them both down. So all of a sudden, Jim Corrigan becomes... Well, well, he's dead they again. Don't, they, he dies. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. that's what that's what so that's what is so tragic about this story. That's why I love this issue so much because, you know, it's showing how happy he is. He can finally and how happy she is too. Gwen is mm-hmm. uh, because they can finally be together. And dude, like a few pages after, he's dead again. Right. So it's it's to me that's just so crushing it's, because right when he's getting there, they've got their hopes up. Life seems to be good. It's just really crappy again. And he's getting, he gets killed at the same time she's getting ready for their wedding, basically. Yep. Yeah. So it shows her, and, and, and then she hears a, like a, a doorbell ding. And she's like, oh, it's bad luck to see me on my wedding. And then Jim Corrigan is like the stiff and it has a note on it saying, like, um, it's right here. Uh, I was a pesky cop. I got what I deserved. And then there's a small. Yeah. Funeral. So, yeah. So he's just, it's, somebody brought his corpse. To her door as she's getting ready for her wedding. <laughs> and ring the doorbell and ran. And ring the doorbell and ran and put a note on his chest. <laughs> and it, that to me is like so heartbreaking, dude. It's so crushing because he, she clearly loves him so much. Right. And she almost got to marry him and now he's dead again. And you know when he's dead, he's a dick and he won't. Even if he does come back, he won't go through with the marriage again. So, yep. uh, Which they do. They do bring him back again. It's so, <laughs> it's so rough, dude, because... It would even be like better if he was able to just at least die for good this time. In right? his final rest. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. But nope, uh, God brings it back again <laughs> and says, this is your destiny, basically. And this is what you're going to have to go through again. And, mm-hmm. and he basically he climbs out of his grave just like a zombie, basically. Well, a guy kind of undigs him because he hears banging. 
Right. And then unwraps it. He comes out. Well, and actually, then, he goes out. His spirit goes out. That's, oh, grave, yeah. That's, yeah. And then flies he off. goes back in. And then, yeah, he's trying to climb out. And he gets helped by the grave digger, who just thinks he was in a coma, basically. And then, uh, then justice comes to the guys that killed him, ruined his wedding day. And... Um, the little rubber ducky becomes big and pecks the the leader to death. It looks like he eats him. Yeah, he eats him. He eats him. Um, although in one of the uh, liner notes, they did mention him being pecked to death. I think Paul Levitz. That's, so yeah, Paul Levitz was, was yeah. the assistant to Joe Orlando on this. So Paul Levitz had a front row seat to all this stuff that was going on. So he knows a lot about this too. And he's obviously a great historian too. Um, he's the one that wrote that uh, DC museum in a book oh cool uh, oh yeah 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 mm-hmm. uh, with pascal okay no it was just pascal paul levitz wrote a different thing i think anyway but that we're not reviewing that although we should one time yes. that would be cool yeah. um so what i like about this so we kelly had touched on this earlier so after this issue so this is what happens okay uh the specter dies this story is called the second death of the specter uh he dies uh or jim corrigan dies i should say um, and then comes back to life. He goes to Gwen's room. She's crying because he's dead, right? Oh, they've had a funeral for him. We we should have said that. Oh, she yeah, went yeah, to his yeah. funeral. Mm-hmm. Um, but now he comes back, and she's just crying over his picture. And she's just like, Jim, my darling, is that you? And he says, no, Gwen. It's not really me. It's just a spectral shadow of the man I used to be. And now he's back to being a dick again, right? So, yeah. <laughs> so he's like, okay, hey, my destiny is to be a specter. He starts disappearing. She's like, Jim, don't go. Please don't go. Uh, oh, Jim, I'm so alone without you. And then and then it's over. And that's how the series ended. That was the last issue that they did in 1970. So after this, it was canceled. Um, uh, it should be noted that um, in these adventure comic stories, it was um, kind of an anthology thing. So there would always be uh, another story with it. I think this particular issue had an Aquaman story with it. Mm -hmm. Um, I know they did Seven Soldiers of Victory in some of them. Uh, In the very first one, 431, there's this awesome Alex Toth story uh, is the second story in there. And it's, uh, let me see what it's called here. Oh, it's called, uh, is a... Oh, that's awesome. It is a snarl human. <laughs> that's a snarl human. <laughs> yeah. And so the art is so cool in this. It's uh it's just like this other planet and there's like these weird animals that are being forced to be uh uh basically like horses, right? So they're pulling mm-hmm. chariots. Yeah. But they can talk and everything and it's 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 uh the art's beautiful because it's Alex Toth and Oh, dude, I love it. Oh, the animals are talking. Like, all the animals are. The yeah, lions, like lion, the giraffes yeah. and stuff are talking mm-hmm. to each other. Um, I haven't read this one, but I need to because it looks really awesome. It does look cool. Um, but, uh, yeah, so, like I was saying, at that point in the Adventure Comics, they canceled it. They ripped the Spectre out of there. And, uh, I don't know, there was a, there's a couple theories on why they did it. Um, did you read about that? Uh, a little bit. They did talk about how... Um, how it it was mysterious how it just uh, got canceled and they didn't know why and and how at the time uh, it, it may not because of sales but because of the differences in what um, the I wouldn't say the editor but um, the content that was preferred well, the at the time so the management yeah, like, content yeah it was the, the, the what they say is that the management probably didn't like it right so 
uh, one thing that Paul Levitz was saying in these liner notes is that uh, a lot of people loved it. I love this book. They were all the letters they got were really positive about the book, you know, and, and nobody was like weirded out. None of the letters were just like, I can't believe how violent this is. Um, but what they say in these liner notes is that um, they think that other creators didn't like it. Other creators at DC during this time, DC um, during the sixties uh, had a rude awakening. Um, they were all of the writers and artists that worked for them were pretty cocky um, because mm-hmm. for you know decades DC was the leader, right? They were gold standard. And then Marvel was DC published or distributed Marvel comics for a while, right? And right. they had limited Marvel to like eight books or something like that a month, it's a really small number a month. Yeah. And you know they just felt like they were the kings of the world, and Marvel was just this like crap peon company, and uh, and so I think that they were kind of haughty and they felt like doing a more uh, gritty dark book was they were above that basically um, and but they said Paul Levitt says he thinks all of the fans really enjoyed it so uh, the, this was also at the beginning of the direct market shift uh, where they would just sell just to comic book stores uh, and you couldn't uh, track the purchases as well so the way when it was newsstand they would send a bunch of copies to the newsstand right and then if you whatever you didn't sell you could send back to the company right, right? you like a cover or whatever well it, it was different at different times oh, okay. sometimes right. sometimes at first you had to ship the whole comic back mm-hmm. then they did it to where you just could rip the front cover off then you could just rip half of the front cover off and then eventually they got to the point where you could just fill out this form saying that you destroyed the comics uh but that's how they kept track of how many they actually sold is because they would see how many they shipped out, subtract how many they got back, and they would know the exact numbers. Right. Well, direct market was different because direct market is the, the comic book shops bought a certain number of comics and then and then they couldn't return them back. And so you never knew if they were sold or if they just sat on the shelf of the comics. So, right. So th- because of that, there was no real way to prove how many was sold. And because it wasn't necessarily selling, I mean, they could tell like the really big books, right? They could, they could get an idea of how many of those were selling. And they knew it wasn't one of those, so they could mm-hmm. just say, okay, well, if somebody didn't like it, there was enough reason to rip it out. But um, it's crazy that it just got ripped out, like, right as, like, the Spectre's dead again, you know, and, like, the love of his life is, like, sobbing. Right. And that's where they left it. But he wrote three more stories that he'd already handed in. That had not, not been drawn, and uh, they were just hanging on to those for what well, this came. The Wrath of the Spectre was 88, so yeah, for you know, 18 years, yeah, or so a little, yeah, between 15 and 18 years. Yeah. Um, they were just holding on to these, and then that's what this uh, so this last issue, uh, issue four is all uh, new stories in the sense that they hadn't been published before, which is which is cool. Like, I I wish I would have known about these when they came out because I I didn't I was like ten years old I was collecting comics but I certainly wasn't collecting comics like this right right so I wish I would have known about that because that's just really cool like thinking today like you know say that there was like extra Frank Miller Daredevil stories that never got released oh, right yeah. like yeah. that would be so cool to see those get Printed released now. yeah yeah that would be so awesome except for Frank Miller would probably draw it and it would suck so yeah because <laughs> he can't. <laughs> So, so yeah, and like we'd mentioned before, you can tell a big difference in Jim Parro's style, and it kind of helps um, 
it still doesn't completely close it off because when Mike Friedrich, what's it, not Friedrich, what's the guy's Fleischer. Mike, Mark Fleischer. Michael Fleischer. Michael Fleischer. <laughs> Holy crap. I think Michael I've Fleischer been saying this wrong the entire time. And Jim Aparo. <laughs> if I have been saying this wrong the whole time, I'm sorry. Um, yeah, anyway, so he didn't know it was ending, obviously, either. Right. So it still doesn't wrap it up necessarily, um, but it it does give a little bit more story, right? Yes, it does. Um, and it actually ends with Crawford. Um uh, like the last panel you see is him. So the thing is, is it would be, it would be cool if they could pick this back up, kind of where it left off, and like you know maybe Crawford's age now at this point, and he's like, you know, I finally have some substantial evidence. Like pick it up now today. Yeah, yeah, dude. As I was reading this, uh-huh. I would love to see um, Tom King and Mitch Gerards do this story to mm-hmm. do a Spectre story like in this vein. Mm-hmm. I think it would be so cool, Mitch. Mr. Oz, he's, you know, the artist that does the Mr. Miracle with Tom right. King. Yep. And, dude, his art, I think, would be so freaking cool Perfect for a Spectre story. Oh, yeah. I know they are working on a new story together. Yeah, I think it has to do with um, well, they Adam asked Strange. Him, uh, oh, where did you get that from? Well, because he said it was going to be revealed in Heroes in Crisis number five or whatever. Oh, really? And the cover has... Um, I want to say I know uh, Adam Strange was on the cover, and someone else was in there. And in fact, hmm. I think he even said in an interview with someone else that um, he was interested in Adam Strange. Interesting, yeah. Because I mean, I I listened to an interview with Mister Rods, and he he didn't say what it was, but he was he said it had nothing to do with Mister Miracle, um, which is what mm-hmm. they were working on, but that it was a character that they both wanted to work on. So that that would. That'd be cool, but dude, it wouldn't be as cool as a Spectre story no, with right. those guys. Like, I love Adam Strange, but those guys, I can tell dark stories because Mister Miracle was one was of the darkest stories dark. ever. Yeah. yeah. So, oh man, to, to, if the, they need to pick this up, dude. If you guys are listening, which they probably are, at least one of them. The chances that one yeah. of those guys are listening is pretty high. I know, right? Yeah. So. <laughs> you guys should pitch a Spectre story. <laughs> yeah, and, and we can help you write it if you want. We can be your What's it called? Art continuity. Yeah, art people. continuity. <laughs> yeah. What's the guy's name? Uh, Mike. De- is that Mike DeCaro? No, he's DeCarlo? the inker. Oh, he's uh, oh, the inker. He was the inker Shows you how for much the, that I the first two issues of the fourth. Russell Carley. Yeah, yeah, we could be your <laughs> Russell Carley. Um, and then uh, the so. Is there anything else you want to say about the Spectre? No, it's just that if you guys, um, you know what, these copies of the Wrath of the Spectre are very affordable. Um, if you can find them either on eBay or like at your local comic shop, I would highly recommend. Um, just because the stories are cool, the art is great, and the the amazing way that he kills people is just, it's so hilarious. It's its definitely worth any penny you'd pay for these. Yeah. Um so uh, before we close this out, though, there's mm-hmm. one other story in that fourth issue. Oh yes, um, and it's uh, also drawn by Jim Aparo, uh, but this one is plotted by Joe Orlando and scripted by John Albano. Dude, all three of those guys' names start with J, and two of them, their last names start with A. Dude, that's ridiculous. Actually, all their last names end with O. Orlando, yeah, all Albano, o. Aparo. Yeah. <laughs> I think these are just. Sir, I think it was. One dude that did all these and just uh, was the scripter. Was the the, guy, yeah. And they're just using different names. But this one's called The Demon Within. And this was originally published in like House of Mystery. Yeah, was, I don't know which I don't one know of the House of Mystery. Yeah, yeah, House of Mystery, though. Um, but uh, 
Yeah, what's this one about, Kelly? So the Demon Within is about this kid that can turn into like a troll creature. Or like demon even. Like a demon. Yeah. yeah. And like he, he likes going around scaring people. Like he's not doing anything bad. He's just scaring his sister and his parents. And they're like, you need to keep this under control or we're going to like do something to you. And um, he got, he does it at school. And so finally they take him to this doctor and the doctor, um, what do they call it when like um, they put that needle down in your eye and it like makes you so you have no emotion. Lobotomy. lobotomy. They give the kid a lobotomy. And, um, so he can't control this, like he no longer becomes this demon thing and he just sits there on the grass and like the, the whole like point of the story is like, who's the monster, the kid playing around or the parents that gave him the the bottomy, you know, like it just really messed up. Yeah. It ends with like this uh, couple walking by while the parents are working in the yard and the kid is sitting in the yard and they're just like so impressed. They're just like, Oh, look at these uh, people. Such a cultured family. Indeed. Excellent stock. Mr. and Mrs. Winters are truly credit to the community. Even their children are models of good behavior. And the kid is just like sitting there staring off into space. Like like clearly he can't. He's not really a person anymore yeah, at this point. Right? Everything's been ripped from him. Yeah. yeah. So uh, there wasn't. It's only like a five or six page story. There wasn't like um, a lot to it. But it's just really depressing. dude. <laughs> oh, dude. Yeah. It's super sad. And I'm surprised they put it in this book um, just because it has nothing to do with the specter, but maybe because of the creators. Yeah. And it actually came from house of mystery number 201. Oh, there you go. Um, but yeah, I think it was probably, yeah, it is weird that they threw it in here. I don't know why, but uh, I mean, it's Jim Aparo. That's the obvious connection in Joe Orlando, but uh, yeah, it has no connection to the Spectre. No, yeah, not whatsoever. at all. Yeah, and then the uh, this very last page, um, after like on on my the back cover of my book, it says now on sale, and it has a Spectre coming out of cocaine. Like it, he's like a Spectre <laughs> made of cocaine. He's like scaring the crap out of these like villain guys. Yeah, so I think they were gonna reboot the Spectre after yeah. this, um, but. I didn't read those, and the art on the, at least on that thing looks really crappy. Yeah, it doesn't so, look very good. Um, and it's hard to go to that. I go from Jim Aparo to just somebody who's like a no name, not very, not as good of an artist. Because uh, right. these were absolutely beautiful. Okay, guys. So that uh, I think that's it, man. I think we got it covered. Yeah, that does it for the Spectre. Um, Thanks for lending your ear. I liked it, man. Yeah. I thought it was, uh, I'd never read it before, and uh, you'd had it, and uh, you you suggested we read it, and dude, thanks, man. It was... You're welcome. I love it, dude. It was it was a lot of fun to read, because if you're a fan of like the EC comics or creepy, eerie comics, it's basically DC's version of that, um, but it has kind of a continuing storyline. Story uh, I like that it's done that way, so it's built... With individual stories, but there's some things that carry on. Mainly the the, the relationship, the, yeah, the relationship. His other characters, right? right? So the the Gwen Sterling and then the Earl Crawford mm-hmm. and even his boss uh, at the or Earl Crawford's boss. Yeah, his, uh, I think his name is Bob. Through. Yeah, and the lieutenant uh, or like his boss, Jim Corrigan's boss at the like the precinct, the detective precinct or whatever mm-hmm. it carries through. Uh, and so I really liked the way it was written. It was, uh, I got to check out some more of this guy's, the writer's stuff, dude. Cause I, I dug it. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a fun read. It definitely, um, I was, I, again, I, you know, I, I Spencer, like, I don't, I don't know what else Michael Fleischer, Fleischer has done. 
and I know of Jim Aparo's stuff. Um, I, I can't say that like I, I know specifically that I've read anything by Jim Aparo other than this, but um, his artwork is so beautiful that it makes me want to go out and find some more. You said Batman, right? Is yeah, the death in the family. Yeah, death in the family. Yeah, yeah, dude. That was. Uh, I remember. Uh, I would just look at the. Um, like the credits, and it was always mm-hmm. Starlin Aparo de Car- Aparo de Carlo. So, like in my head, I just know it was like Jim Starlin, uh, Jim Aparo, and and Mike de Carlo. And I remember, I remember like loving that book and reading it so many times that it's like one of the only ones that I could just rattle off all the creators uh, yeah. on it. Um, but yeah, he's he's a master draftsman, dude. So, uh, yeah, I think that'll do it. So I guess we'll see you next time. Yeah, don't forget to look for us on Instagram um, at, what are we at, Cold Storage Podcast or just Cold Storage? Cold Storage Podcast. Cold Storage Podcast, thank you. Yes. And um, email us at thecoldstoragepodcast at gmail.com. And uh, if you have any requests, as we said before, most of the stuff's going to be like um, probably pre-90s or 90s and older. Um so if you have any suggestions or want to hear us talk about anything that you love, let us know. Um, and also, if uh, it's not too much to ask, please leave us a review, iTunes review or wherever you do your podcasts so that more people can hear about us. Correct. And then we can get famous. Yes. And make lots of money. That's the goal here. Fame and fortune. Yep. And we are a long ways from there. So, <laughs> uh, All right, guys. We'll see you next time. Thanks.